0: brother was reading turned over the palms of his hands and he said to Thomas Thomas because you have seen you have believed it's almost impossible in a way to not believe when you see but Jesus said blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe so to our surprise we are more blessed to not have seen than to have seen have you ever thought of that he says it, not me. Thomas, because you've seen, you've believed. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. And you and I have never been there. We've never seen what Jesus did. We didn't see the, the marks in his hands. At least yet we haven't. But we by faith have seen him and know him as our personal Lord and Savior. Hallelujah to that. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6 and our final message on the book of Galatians. We're a church that preaches through the scriptures expositorily, primarily, although starting next week we're going to have a series of messages leading up to Easter, beginning with the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. The following week, the anointing of the body of Jesus for His burial, And then the institution of the Lord's Supper slash Passover. You could say the last Passover in the first Lord's Supper. And then Gethsemane. And then Calvary. And then the resurrection and ascension. So hope you'll stay tuned and keep coming. Next week will be the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Galatians chapter 6. We're down to the very final four verses of the chapter. Verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. In his final words, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers, amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. I have something to say to you. How many of you have an iPhone? Would you raise your hand? An iPhone. Now, how do you get onto your iPhone? What do you have to do? There's two things, right? Depending on how you set it up, you could talk to it. It picks your voice up, number one. But another simple way is what? I'm sure you have this program, huh? You just look at it. And it, it images your face. And once it sees your face, it turns on. If someone else tries to do that, it won't turn on. Only the one to whom that phone has been designed to pick up the image. You know, um, our government has a biometric data of every person in the United States. They have unique features called vectors of every person's facial feature. And Delta Airlines instituted this uh, a couple of years ago so that instead of having to pro- uh, to provide your passport, you just simply had to show up. And when your face came on the screen, it automatically gave all the information about you. And therefore, you were able to go on an international flight. Well, here Paul is talking about how do we get right with God? You know, the Galatians had a confused background that was coming into their circles that was telling them they had to add to the grace of God which is a natural way of responding to, I want to be a better Christian. I want to be more sure that I'm saved. I want to do whatever is required to get right with God. So some, come, some Judaizers were coming along telling them that they had to keep the law, they had to be circumcised, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in order to get right with God and to stay right with God. Well, Paul clarifies that right off the bat, and he tells them that Neither circumcision, and circumcision, you know, is the removal of the foreskin. It also is connected with the covenant. The word covenant itself means cut by way of contract. So the Israelites in the Old Testament had a relationship with God, an outward covenantal relationship with God by the covenant or the contract that God established with them. And the outward sign of that was by way of circumcision. Circumcision. So when the individuals were circumcised, that placed them into the external covenant community of the people of God. That idea no longer carries through to the New Testament. When John the Baptist came along and started to preach repentance, he said now the act he says bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and don't say that Abraham is your father you're not entitled to a baptism of repentance unless you show forth fruits that are worthy of repentance and therefore being entitled to be baptized in preparation for the coming of the Lord so there's a, there's a radical shift from Old Testament covenantal people to now New Covenant people Old period, the new period. The period before Jesus and the period after Jesus. What the Judaizers were doing were trying to extract from the Old Testament passages and apply them to people in the New Testament when those were not written for the New Testament people. They were only written for Israel and for a type of the Israel of God that was to come and we'll get to that in a few moments. For neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. Can we get the next screen up? Here it is, verse 16 that we're just looking at. Neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Let's look first at what the what this particular verse means, 6:15. There's a parallel passage we find in Galatians which happens to be in the same book, chapter 5 and verse 6. Notice the similarities. There, neither circumcision counts for anything. Look at the language here. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. But a new creation... A new creation, faith working through love. If you're a new creation in Christ, guess what's working through you? Faith working through love. So something is created in us by what miracle? I'm talking about Jesus doing miracles, turning bread into wine, uh, turning turning uh, <laughs> turning water into wine. Excuse me. Uh, In all other sorts of miracles. But here is one that He's performed on some of us here in this room. Probably the majority of us have had this miracle happen to us by Jesus. Look at it. If anyone is in Christ, you can say hallelujah if you are, He is a new creation. Notice this. A new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So, You have been passed from the old to the new. You've become a new creation. Let's get the next screen up, if we could. That's not the verse I wanted. I didn't have it up here. But it says this. Let me try the next verse. No, go back. Go back. Yeah, right here. How do we become new creation? Colossians 2.11 says, In him, that's Jesus Christ, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. That's how you became a new creation. That's how you come into the new covenant. Only circumcised people come into the new covenant. Only circumcised people came into the old covenant. In the old covenant, it was outward, it was physical. In the New Testament, it's inward and it's spiritual. The first one is done by the hands of man, the second one, this one right here, with circumcision not performed by human hands, but performed by Him, that's Jesus Christ, performed a miracle on you. You should be able to say, hallelujah, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a new man, I'm a new person. I'm not necessarily looking at it as I'm a reformed person or I'm a new person. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not a part of the old. The old me would not be here preaching, would not be here worshiping, would not be here praising the Lord. It takes a new creation. It takes the circumcision of the heart to create in you a new life. I'm lost here on my screens. I don't know why this thing is not clicking for me. Go back, Michael. Um, Yes, this is the one I want. Talking about the inward man, how important that is. I talked about how the picture, uh, our face image, is picked up by the technology of that phone and automatically puts us into that category of being the owner of the phone and have all the rights to everything that it contains. So it is true that the Lord... Sees us. Not just the outward man. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. How important is our heart before God? Look what Jesus says in Luke eleven forty. 40. Did not the one, talking about God the Creator, who made the outside, make the inside also. You have two components to your being. The outside and the inside remember Jesus says you also outwardly appear righteous unto men but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity I can look good outwardly before you and acceptable and judged by you from your outward appearance but what really matters is the Lord who created the inside of me That inside is the part of me that has been circumcised, that makes me a new creation, that gives me aspirations and desires and energy and love and faith to grow in love and to learn of Him. That's the power of the gospel that creates this new life in us. Praise God for this truth of verse 15. Circumcision doesn't count for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That's what really matters before God. Listen to the way the hymn writer put it. Dark is the sin that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow you may be today. Marvelous grace of our loving God. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount poured, there where the blood of the lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace that pardon and cleanses within. Grace, grace, God's grace, greater grace that is greater than all our sin. Notice that grace that will pardon and cleanse within. What can avail to wash it away? What separates man from God is our sins. But the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. He removed the, the barrier that separates man from God so that we can have a true union with Him. And by Him circumcising us, we become yet united to Him. We're bonded with Jesus Christ. We're a part of the new creation that He's the author of. Let's move on to verse 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, could we get that verse up, Michael 5, 6, 16? Uh, and for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. 616. All who walk by this rule, what rule is that? The rule is the rule that's referenced in verse 15. Circumcision doesn't count for anything. No uncircumcision, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, and if we can apply it maybe this way, whether you're baptized or unbaptized, it doesn't have any effect. It doesn't regenerate you. It's not your in God so to speak. The only thing is the new creation. For all who walk by this rule, that's the rule people like to have rules to know what do they have to do a person after I was having gospel meetings in my parents home when I first got saved and a brother gave a testimony I think my wife at that time who was a nightclub singer that just was converted she's singing songs to the Lord and so she was a singer that night and then I, I invited uh, an ex-bartender from Summer Street in Worcester who got marvelously cl- uh, saved through Billy Graham's preaching on TV that caused him to get down on his knees and cry out to the Lord and he became a powerful testimony for the Lord. The Lord changed his heart. So at the end of the service, my neighbor who I invited my neighbors to come in, he says, what do I have to do to join the church? You see, that's the natural man's thinking. What do I have to do? Well, what you have to do is simply take a step back and say, I repent. Look at Calvary's cross and behold the Lamb of God dying there. And ask yourself, did He die for me? Did He pay the penalty of my sin? Can I trust Him as the one who bore the punishment of my sin for time and eternity? I hope that you can do that. And I said, He said, I want to get baptized. I said, Bill, you've got to be born again first in order to be baptized. He had a nice desire but he didn't understand the gospel so it's often part of our makeup so to speak to want to have rules but here is the rule and that is this new creation believing on the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior brings you into the new creation and you want to walk according to that truth and those that do and are he says peace and mercy be upon them and I like the NIV here uh, because it's, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. To the Israel of God. The and that is used, the chi, which is in Greek, could lend you the understanding that uh, there are two factions of people that Paul is addressing. If we read it in some of the other translations, as I did... Cause it's the more popular way that's translated. For all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, one group, and upon the Israel of God, a second group. So some would read into this that when Paul is saying peace and mercy be upon them, meaning the Gentiles who have been circumcised in the inward parts, and then the Israel in upon the Israel of God would be the Jews who are circumcised in inward parts. But that to me would confuse the language that Paul uses throughout the book of Galatians. He's trying to eliminate the idea of ethnic preferences when it comes to being in the family of God now. It's not the outward natural relations that are important. It's the inward personal relationships with Christ that really matters. So I do prefer this translation... And it's almost more interpretive, for sure, but I believe it gives us the real sense here. Because Paul has been trying to put down all along the idea of going back to Judaism by giving up grace and going back to laws and rules and putting yourself under Sabbath day keeping and festivals and holy days and so on and so forth, which was commonplace for a Jew. Paul's trying to eliminate that, say, hey, the basics are this. You've got to be a new creation. So we can't, he couldn't in one place verse 15 talk about the new creation and then divide it into two families of the one new creation i think that would be contradictory to the thesis that paul is developing in the book of galatians verse 17 from now on let no one cause me trouble and that's what they were doing um, not that they were personally attacking paul But because Paul was involved with the gospel that was preached to them originally, and of course, not just evangelizing them, but also discipling them, teaching them, and instructing them. When he sees that they get off of the beaten path, the correct path, the path of truth, it troubles him. And those that were probably challenging Paul's teachings... Paul is not claiming that his teachings come from himself anyway, but that they came from the Lord and that this is the truth of God. For, so now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Can we get to the original picture, Mike? Uh, the title picture? Yeah. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. That's an accurate translation. You could say the scars of Jesus, the tattoos of Jesus, the sufferings of Jesus, the physical, physical body damage that was done for, from, for him, or for Christ in Paul's body. And if we go back and I won't confuse you by talking too much about the background here but Paul could have in, have in mind the fact that he was literally stoned in the area of Galatians and, take, and carried out of the city dragged out of the city because they thought he was dead and then he came to life they had stoned him, he whipped him beaten him so he had the physical box not just from that occasion but on multiple occasions so for instance in 2 Corinthians 4.10 he says I, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in my body. Paul had the literal brand marks, you could say, of a Jesus follower. Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Paul's desire, which should be the desire of all of us, that we want to be conformed to be like the Lord Jesus. He says, take up my cross daily and follow me. We're expected to be like Christ. Paul was saying, that's me. I am one like Christ. Now that doesn't mean that we go out and get ourselves beaten up or get all these bodily marks on our body. But Paul is trying to contrast himself with those that were making much of the body. Those that were trying to say, hey, if you mock up your body by circumcision, we will, uh, you'll be identified with us. And we're the Judaizing teachers. You'll have security. Paul says, my identity is with Christ. And my marks in my body are my symbols of my allegiance to my Master. Just like an Israelite slave, when they chose to become a slave, permanently they had to get an awl bore through their ear lobe, which mocked them for life that they would become a perpetual servant to their master. By saying, I love my wife, I love my children and I love my master and I will not go out free. Chose to become what Paul classifies himself in many of his epistles, I, Paul, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. That's what we all are. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We have Christ's yoke on us. We are gladly His servant. Remember Jesus said no no, no servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. Who are the two masters? One begins with an S. The other one begins with an S. You're either serving Satan or you're ser- serving the Savior. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That sounds very challenging. And it is. But it's not Impossible. Why? Because it's God who works in you, both the will and to do of His good pleasure. If it was left up to me to live like Christ, forget it. I'd rather eat, drink, and be merry. I have a party spirit. I want to go out and celebrate. I want to live like there's no tomorrow. But the new creation that I am in Christ Jesus and that you are in Christ Jesus puts you in a whole different category, a whole different mindset, in one that you are satisfied with. My classmates, when I got converted in college, they said, Man, you're missing out so much on what's going on on campus last semester, senior year. Yeah, everybody's hooping it up. Here I am in the library reading my Bible, coming back, sneaking into the dormitory because I didn't want to get mixed in with the keg parties that were going on and all the other ruckus. They thought I was the loser. I knew it was the other way around. That I'm serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've got an inward joy that they know nothing about. My peace I leave with you. My joy I give unto you. Not as the world gives. Give I unto you. What we have the world knows nothing about. Is such a difference of being a child of the living God. It's almost unexplainable. Because it is so supernatural that we've been circumcised in the inward parts. So Paul could tell us that he had that identity that linked him to his master, Jesus. What is your identity? Who are you identified with? Do you have any thing on your resume that you could say, I belong to Jesus? Could people you work with, your neighbors, ex-friends of yours, family say, He belongs to Jesus. He's a Jesus person. He's a Jesus follower. What is our identity? What are the marks that we have that link us to Him? I hope that we think about this, that we want to do more for Him. We want to live for Him. After all, the Bible says, He died for all they, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto Him who died for them and rose again. Peter was right when he says, Lord, I'll go to death with you. I'll go to the cross with you. Uh, You don't understand, Peter. You'll never be able to be baptized with a baptism that I'm going to be baptized with. What baptism was Jesus referring to? His baptism of suffering on the cross. We cannot atone for our own sins. What Jesus was going to endure at the cross was something beyond human cap- capabilities. Only he could be the full stigmatic person. The one that would have his hands marked and born through with nails in his side. In the crown of thorns with those piercings going through his skull. Bleeding and sweating and breathing with hardly any breath left in his body so that he could die a death on the behalf of us, his people. What a Savior we have, brothers and sisters. I bear in my body the marks of Jesus. What kind of marks do you have for Jesus? If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, you're living for today, you're living for yourself, and you're probably living before the eyes of other people to satisfy them as well. But if we live, we, the Bible says, whether we live or whether we die, we live unto the Lord. What's most important in the way we live is how we live before Him and not before mankind. Not to say that we, we become quacky, and I've seen this with some Christians too, and I suppose I have been at times like that, or could be even now. A bit quirky that doesn't really resemble the life of a real Christian, that doesn't resemble the Jesus of the Bible and we have to be careful that we that we not be too how should i say maniac looking crazy uh in the sense that we're we're uh, goofy you know we're weird um, no follow the Lord, uh, let us bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's what Paul's one of the main points of his epistle, is that we have the Spirit. We don't walk in the flesh, so let the Spirit of the life of Christ in us be those marks, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So if anyone walk according to this rule, according to this law, Paul says peace be on them and he concludes by saying the grace of our lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit brothers and sisters we could say amen that's what the lord and that's that's something that show you something about Paul's spirit he he this is probably one of the, epis, the epistles that probably got him the most irritated because of what was transpiring and what they were giving into It's like, come on, are you kidding me? You tasted the grace of God and now you've gone back to the old ways of putting yourself under the law and under pagan ideas? Shame on you. I'm insulted. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed of you. I'm perplexed by you and I even stand in doubt of you. But yet he can, right at the closure of this epistle, kind of goes along with what our brother Pat's been teaching sort of in Sunday school, That the giver have the grace in the way in which he gives to others, and Paul is bestowing upon them this benediction. It's not like you better ship up, or you're going to shape up, or you're going to ship out. He doesn't reprimand them. He doesn't whip them. He had authority that he could say things that would be scolding to them, but he chooses other language. You know, righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. Paul, which is characteristic of him, like all other epistles, says similar things. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gospel of your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you opened our heart and showed us, Lord, that there's nothing that could have availed for our sins to separate Uh, us from you lord there was nothing that we could do to to uh, bridge that gap but thank you lord that you opened our hearts and our eyes and showed us lord what jesus accomplished for sinners like us lord we give you praise and glory for the precious blood of the lamb of god the one who could show the scars on his hands and his feet and his side and say it is i Thank you, Lord Jesus, that by faith we see you, we know you. We thank you that you have blessed us and made us your own children. And for anyone here, Lord, that has never accepted Christ, we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will work in their heart in such a way that they would yield themselves to you, Lord, in repentance and admit that they are guilty before you, a holy God, to cry out for mercy and salvation. And Lord, we thank you that your ears are opened unto the prayers of those that call upon you from the depths of their heart. So Lord, part us for thy blessing. Bless our closing song as we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen.